welcome to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion, and I am Peter, also host of Podstalgic. And I am Tom, also host of Jake and Tom Conquer the World. And today we have a bonus episode in honor of Veterans Day. We are doing a special Veterans Day uh, episode. Uh, first and foremost, we want to thank uh, the veterans that have served uh, this country of ours, and also to the friends and family members of those uh, very soldiers. Um, you know, without your guys' support, it, it would be extremely difficult, you know, to do what we did and do. Absolutely. Uh Thank God for those people, because let's face it, otherwise uh, you'd have people like me uh, on the lines, and that wouldn't do anybody any good. <laughs> uh, I want to give a little shout out to um, our awesome group page, um, uh, specifically uh, Tim and Rick, 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 Rick. Uh, they <laughs> they both, um, you know, took my pictures, you know, with the big three, Billy Zapka, Ralph Macchio, and Martin Cove, and um, uh, Tim, he posted that picture and just kind of wished uh, me and everybody else a, you know, happy Veterans Day weekend, and then Rick uh, did some kind of like animated a gift thing and that was kind of cool uh, but also again shout out to rick he made this uh a bit of a mashup between back to the future and crowded kid yes that and was awesome it was pretty awesome and he had like some music in the background so i was uh, i had a really long day at work and so i uh, i i saw that he posted that but i didn't get to watch it and i just saw that people kept on commenting on it and the thread was amazing there was people saying um i think it was amy she was like somebody needs to check on peter he, he probably died from this video <laughs> <laughs> so just an awesome group of people uh if you guys aren't in the group uh join you know there's a you know a quite a bit of uh hardcore fans in there you know from the universe both cobra kai and karate kid yeah yeah so, um, you know, I myself, I am a veteran. I served almost 10 years in the U.S. Army. Uh, I have been uh, in regular Army. I, I served active duty uh, for a little bit. Uh, I served a tour in Afghanistan uh, back in 2006. Uh, I was also with the National Guard and the Army Reserves. Uh, Tom, your father served in Okinawa, correct? Yes, uh, during the 60s while he was in the Marines. He was uh, stationed in Okinawa. Oh, very awesome. Uh, what else do you remember about his service there? Uh, well, I mean, I remember seeing a bunch of, uh, photo albums of, uh, the pictures that he took, uh, it, and it just looked like a, a completely different world to the eyes of a small, uh, child during the 80s. Was he already out when you were born? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. uh, I, I want to say that he left the service in 68 or 69. Okay. I can't remember exactly how long. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, and I was born in '77, uh, so he was long out. Right, right. Um, I come from a family of, um, uh, you know, family of soldiers. I, I guess you can say my father. He was in cadet school back in Laos, and both grandfathers on each side of the family were also uh, military in Laos. Uh, my grandfather on. My mom's side, he was military police, and I believe his brother was some sort of uh, high-ranking officer. I want to say general, but I'm not positive. Wow. Yeah, I remember when I was in um, Texas visiting family, one of my cousins, he actually found like a really old uh, like TV footage. It was black and white. Um, we don't, or I don't know exactly what it was of, but it was my grandfather's brother uh, giving some kind of speech at a podium, and it just brought tears to his eyes. Mm. Um, you know, I should kind of seek that out. And so, yeah, I guess it's kind of been 
you know, in the lineage. Uh, it was a thing. It was never like pressed on me growing up, but it was just something I felt that uh, I needed for myself. You know, so that's why I enlisted in the military. So uh, that's a little bit about me. But uh, this particular episode, because it's a, a Veterans Day episode, we wanted to talk a, a little bit about Staff Sergeant uh, Miyagi. He uh, served in the 442nd. So what we learned from Part 1, Part 3, and The Next Karate Kid, the 442nd is one of the, if not the, most decorated units in the U.S. Army history. So uh, this is going to be a bit of a, a history lesson. That's, that's what we're going to do here. But before we get into what the 442nd was about, we're going to talk about uh, Mr. Miyagi and the awards that uh, he had earned during his time in service. Uh, so I didn't know that he made it up to Staff Sergeant because, you know, he referred to himself as Sergeant Miyagi. Uh, but any type of sergeant, you just refer yourself to a sergeant, whether it's Master Sergeant, Sergeant First Class, um, a regular E5 sergeant. But uh, apparently on his jacket in the first movie, uh, he does have a Staff Sergeant uh, rank on his shoulder. And on the other side are a bunch of awards, which, you know, you have to have like a really good screenshot or I think, I don't know if it's still on eBay, but I remember seeing like a, a picture of that very jacket. So, um, you know, on eBay for sale. Oh, wow. Know? Yeah. But uh, of the awards that he has earned, well, first off, he has a combat infantry badge, uh, which is awarded to anybody that has gone through infantry training. So uh, this badge means that he was on the front lines in combat. You know, people can be overseas and not earn one. You know, you have to be an infantry soldier, um, usually training in Fort Benning, Georgia. Uh, so I trained in Fort Benning, Georgia, but I was not an infantryman, so I don't have that badge. So it's an identifier, right? Mm -hmm. And um, matter of fact, I'm looking at the badge right now, and if memory serves me correctly, his badge is an expert infantry badge. So there's two types, uh, to my knowledge. Um, but I was an infantry, so don't quote me on that, but that's what I do remember. Uh, so that's kind of like emphasizing how much of a badass Mr. Miyagi is. And... Um, he does have the correct 442nd Regimental Combat uh, Identification Badge, which also goes on the shoulder. So of his awards, uh, he was awarded the Medal of Honor, right? We have seen that in the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, he also wore that in the fourth movie, The Next Karate Kid. And so this is the uh, the Army's, well, the, the U.S.'s highest and most prestigious personal military decoration uh, that may be awarded to recognize U.S. military service members who have distinguished themselves by acts of valor. The next one he got is a silver star. It is awarded primarily to members of the United States Armed Forces for gallantry in action against an enemy of the United States. So again, it's just like, um, I, I believe Mr. Miyagi had served in actual combat. And this is very interesting information because of the stuff that I learned about the 442nd. So, you know, that will come soon. He was also awarded the Bronze Star. So Silver Star and Bronze Star. The Bronze Star is awarded uh, for either heroic, heroic achievement, service, meritorious achievement or meritorious service in a combat zone. So again, he was in a combat zone, right? We kind of get the sense. The 442nd, that's what they did mm -hmm. amongst other missions. Uh, he got the Army Accommodation Medal. Um, this is presented for sustained acts of heroism, he heroism and meritorious service. 
for valorous actions in direct contact with an enemy, but of a lesser degree than required for the award of the Bronze Star Medal. What is important here is, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, but he has a European African Middle Eastern Campaign Medal with four service stars. The four service stars represent individual tours. So he went on, he served in four tours, basically in that region. Jesus. Right? Yeah. And he also has a World War II Victory Medal, uh, an American Campaign Medal. The American Campaign Medal you see, it was intended to recognize those military members who had performed military service in American theater of operations during World War II, right? So that's uh, after the uh, attack on Pearl Harbor. Uh, Army Good Conduct Medal. Um, no, not surprised there. <laughs> I no. think you, you can, <laughs> I think uh, people can um, figure out what that is. Let's see here. Presidential unit citation, that pretty much is something that uh, they started awarding units that served after uh, December 7th, 1941, after or the the date of the attack on Pearl Harbor. And now this one uh, is my favorite. This is the last of his awards. Uh, he has the Purple Heart, but not only a Purple Heart, but with an oak, uh, a bronze oak leaf cluster on it, which uh, signifies two times that he was awarded the Purple Heart. So this man has been wounded twice in combat. So it could have been like separate campaigns, you know, it could have been the same, but Mr. Sergeant Miyagi has been wounded twice, uh, according to his medals. Hmm. Now, to me, all of this just really speaks to the character of Miyagi. Uh, I mean, you keep using the phrase badass again and again, and there's no doubt about it. The man's definitely a badass. But what I'm taking away from this is this is a guy who has seen the absolute worst of humanity. And rather than coming home and letting that turn him into, you know, a, a bitter or a broken person, it turned him into a stronger person who, frankly, abhors violence. Mm hmm. And like I said, to me, that just makes him a, a much richer and deeper character. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's even, I don't know, uh, to put it in perspective, in Cardi Kid Part 3, when Terry Silver, you know, finds him in the, in the backyard and, he, you know, the way he's reacting, like, oh, my God, you know, you were with the 442nd, that makes it mean even more, right? Knowing mm-hmm. all, all of these things. The 442nd, they were definitely awarded uh, quite a bit. So, um, that's pretty much all I got uh, on Sergeant Miyagi. So he did serve with the 442nd uh, combat team uh, that was formed after the 100th Infantry Battalion. So I'm going to just go ahead and throw it out now, guys. For those that are listening, this is really going to be like a history lesson. Um, so, you know, Tom, anytime you want to jump in and and uh, react to the things so that I have Rick, here. pay attention in the back. <laughs> That's right. So, Nisei, that is a word to describe the uh, second generation uh, Japanese. Uh, so, what that means is their parents were immigrants, right, from Japan or uh, wherever, and they were born in the U.S. So, Mr. Miyagi is is uh, not a Nisei, but, but most of the 442nd were Nisei soldiers, so they were from um, America. And, and a lot of them also came from Hawaii, which was then just uh, U.S. territory. Um, you know, it wasn't uh, a state just yet. Let me see. The 
the campaign over in Europe, most of it was in Italy and France, uh, World War II, that was over the span, I believe, uh, a year and a half. And also, Senator Daniel Inouye, uh, he also served, he lost an arm uh, at one point, but he was also in The Next Karate Kid. He's actually the one at the podium who introduces uh, Mr. Miyagi and that he was going to accept like some kind of like presidential citation, you know, in the very brief moment in the very beginning of the movie. So that was kind of cool that they actually reached out to uh, former soldiers uh, from that unit to to be in the movie as well. Uh, and so I, I thought that was actually uh, pretty cool of them to, to do. Um, in 1941, there was pretty much the same amount of Japanese nationals, uh, whether they were American-born or from Japan. The same amount of them were in Hawaii, also on the mainland in the U.S., uh, after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, they were deemed unfit to serve the, the, the military, those that were already serving at the time. Um, President Roosevelt signed an executive order to remove Japanese citizens from the West Coast, uh, tens and thousands of them, to, quote-unquote, to protect them, to, you know, put them and their families in internment camps. Also, the, he designated them... Uh, as 4C, which me, uh, which identifies them as enemy alien. And because of that, they were unable to serve from the combat perspective. Which to uh, me, I mean, I, I don't mean to interrupt. Mm-hmm. I, I just have never understood the, the, the logic behind this because you're in the middle of a war. You need as many people on the in the military as you could possibly get especially a war with multiple fronts like that get them in there and the people that aren't going to serve well you need them to run the country you need them to work in the factories you need them to you know make sure that the mail arrives on time just yeah. so goddamn stupid yeah well I, I mean, I, I, not not to mention just the, the moral abhorrent nature of it yeah i mean it's I can understand it. They look like the enemy, right? That is their people. And, you know, from the Nisei's perspective, they're like, yeah, but we are also Americans. If somebody that attacks America, we're going to want to defend our country. So they had a lot of issues. Um, You know, they dealt with racism themselves within, you know, the, the U.S. Army and uh, just in, in America, you know, at, at in their home. So um, it was just kind of crazy to to hear, you know, in this documentary that I was watching. But the, the servicemen from the, the Hawaii National Guard, they were kind of like left in Hawaii uh, without anything to do. The non-Nisei, uh, basically, you know, your whites and blacks that were in the National Guard there, they became regular army. And then the rest of them were put into like a labor battalion. And so uh, I don't know if this comes up yet in my notes, but the labor battalion, they're given basically three different things to choose from. This comes in 1942. So the army had no use for them in combat. Uh, The army didn't consider any Asian suitable for combat. And they were only uh, able to choose from being a cook, a clerk, or a mechanic. And, you know, certain, I mean, like, two of those things would fill up so quickly, and uh, many times they were left without even a choice. So that's all that they were able to do at the time, 1942. Idiotic. So idiotic. So 1943, 
uh, you know, there's uh, two wars going on at this point, and they were really short with men. And so the U.S. Army decided to use the Nisei as, quote-unquote, guinea pigs of Pearl Harbor. This is what they were called. This was going to be like an experiment. So the Nisei, the soldiers, they wanted to prove their loyalty, right? So, So the 442nd was formed, President Roosevelt... I think, I don't know if he created them or whatever, but he asked for 1,500 volunteers of the of the Nisei soldiers, which he, he got that and then some. But they were still uh, unable to return home uh, even after the war. Uh, many people in the camp, they were resenting being, being put there. And the ones in the camp, they also volunteered, you know, to be part of this, uh, the 1,500 volunteers. And they had nothing else to do, but they wanted to prove their loyalty, right, mm-hmm. to, to, the, to the U.S. So they volunteered also against, like, you know, their family's wishes and stuff like that. There was a mission uh, to go rescue the Lost Battalion. I think it was a, a Texas uh, unit. And there was over 800 casualties, and many of them were Nisei. Now, out of the 1,500, see, eight, over 800 casualties. So the lost unit, I believe, had 275 people that, that uh, they were kind of like stuck, stranded. Um, that's actually uh, talked a little bit about in this movie that I'll be reviewing later in this episode. But 211 of them were saved. And that just shows that, like, that that's why the the 442nd and the the 100 are so highly decorated because of this this mission is is one of the reasons you know they lost all of you know so many people right almost 1500 people they lost over 800 to go save 270 which they were they successfully saved 211 i think everyone else was wounded or died mm-hmm. and the other thing is like yeah they're looked at as for being highly decorated, but they were also given the missions that other people wouldn't do, right? I just said the guinea pigs of Pearl Harbor, you know? So they were, they, they basically knew that they were signing up for a suicide mission, but that was the only way, right? Which is uh, extremely unfortunate to to look at, but that's, they, they, they figured that's the only way people are going to look at them like their own kind again, I guess. Uh, the Nisei, they thought that upon their return, that they would get respect. Um, But as I mentioned earlier, instead, they faced racism. Uh, In Hawaii, the ones that went back there, they got meager wages, uh, less than before the war, and many took advantage of the GI Bill to get educated. Um, And then once Hawaii became a state senator, or a a state of the U.S., uh, Daniel Inouye, who was part of the 442nd, I, 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 I forgot what he became the first of in in Hawaii. It might have been governor or something, but he eventually became senator. So that's kind of a bit of a brief history there about the 442nd. Man, that's... If I ever want to feel like a little boy, you know, in a big man's world, all I got to do is uh, study military history. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Like, you know, I was curious to... Yeah, you know, I mean, I was curious as to why they were so highly decorated, but yeah, they were just kind of like the the U.S. forces. They were just shorthanded, so they're like, "All right, well, we deem these guys unfit. Let's try them out. You know, let's go ahead and put them in behind enemy lines and fight in combat, even though we told them no in the first place." And they all wanted to, but you know, again, they were told, "Nope, cook, clerk, or mechanic." So goddamn stupid. So, um, and and that's why I thought. You know, Mr. Miyagi's, all of his medals and stuff like that, why that was so interesting. Mm. Because 
you know, I I don't know. We don't know whether he was like you know any of those three, a cook, mechanic, or anything like that. But at some point, you know, when they went through training, he literally became all he could be, and you know, fought、uh, four campaigns, and you know, got all of the the medals. I think it's kind of safe to say that of those three options, I could see、uh, Mr. Miyagi being a mechanic. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I mean, you know, all those cars, cars. Yeah, you know, the handyman at the、uh, th- at the apartment complex. Right, you're right. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, very good point. So、um, you know, oh gosh, the writer. Oh man, I, I'm having a brain fart right now. But the、uh, yes, Robert Mark Kamen, the the writer of、um, you know the Karate Kid, the, at least the first three, he really did his homework, you know,、uh, about the 442nd. So the little bit that we know,、um, and I, I don't know if he had a hand in selecting what awards to go on. I'm sure they had some kind of consultant on the awards that they would put on. Mr. Miyagi's、um, jacket there, but I think they did a great job in doing that. Yeah, and it, it's always those little details that really make up, you know, all the difference in the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So、uh, that's all we got for this、uh, little history lesson、uh, in Staff Sergeant Miyagi and the Four Forty Second. This is a bonus episode、uh, again for Veterans Day, but I also have a movie review. And unfortunately, due to time constraints, Tom, you are not able to join me、uh, for this. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, ha- I have a confession. I have not been able to watch the movie. Not only am I working my full time job, but I'm stuck with jury duty this、uh, week and next. So it's been interesting in the in the co household. Yeah, well, we know that that's not、uh, fun, you know. We're <laughs> just sitting there,、uh, but you know,、uh, I will be doing. I it's just it's not going to be split up into non-spoiler and spoiler like how I would usually do my new release、um, uh, reviews on Podstalgic. It's just going to be you know, it came out in two thousand six, right? So at this point, it's a twelve-year-old movie.、Uh, I'm just gonna. Talk about the movie briefly. I don't know how long,、uh, but just give my thoughts on the movie and things that、uh, that happened. So only the brave, and the reason that、um, this movie was chosen is because, huh, funny, I said chosen because <laughs> the the actor who played chosen, Yuji、uh, Okimoto, Okimoto,、uh, he was in the movie.、Uh, Tamlin Tamita,、uh, who played Kumiko, she's in the movie, and Pat Morita. Uh, has a cameo. I actually thought he had a bigger role, but he has a cameo in the movie as well.、Uh, so that was really interesting. Three people reunited from Karate Kid Part Two in this war drama called Only the Brave. So、uh, at this point, Tom's gonna get off the call for a little bit. I'm gonna review the movie. Then we'll, you know, Tom will come back and help me、uh, close out the episode.、Uh, so for those that are interested, this is the trailer for Only the Brave. Hey, when the Maui leaving? Two weeks. You territorial guard guys get all the fun, eh? <laughs> Time for blackout. Oh yeah.、Oh, sorry. With a name like Grace, you're not very graceful. <laughs> all my cousins are in the hundred. I enlisted today. How can you make this decision without talking to me? I watch these men grow up. I've taken care of their families. We're your family. 
What is it? It's a belly band. All the women in camp each put a stitch in. So the spirit of a thousand loved ones will be with you. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go! Panther move! I've watched the life of a man slowly go dark many times, knowing death was coming, and all they could think about was their loved ones. A last chance to see life. Jimmy, you listen to Papa now. You must accept your fate here. The rest of you will follow from here. The Texas 141st is in trouble. They need our help. We got the nod. Sergeant Takata, I just want to thank you. Whether you're from Hawaii or Mississippi, we're all here for the same reason. We're going to go home together or die together. All right, and I am back uh, to review... The 2006 independent war drama, Only the Brave. Uh, this movie was directed and written by Lane Nishikawa, who also uh, stars in this movie as uh, as Jimmy. Some of the other notable people in this movie, uh, we have uh, Credit Kid uh, Part 2 Reunion here with Pat Morita, who plays Jimmy's father. Uh, we have Yuji Okumoto, uh, who was chosen in Credit Kid Part 2. He plays... I don't know if he was called Yuck or Yuke, but last name was Nakajo. I'm probably not going to use their character's name just because it's going to be really hard to kind of keep track. Uh, this is also not going to be an in-depth review of the movie. I'm just going to give my thoughts and talk a little bit about it, uh, about the film. Uh, we also have Talman Tamita, who played uh, Kumiko in Karate Kid Part 2. She plays Mary in here, who is uh, Jimmy's wife. And a couple other actors that I recognize from, um, you know, some of my favorite movies, Mark Dacascos, uh, who plays uh, Zaki, which is short for uh, Senzaki, uh, his last name. He was in Only the Strong, uh, one of my favorite movies, uh, amongst others. Uh, and also Jason Scott Lee, who was in the second Back to the Future movie, also played Bruce Lee in The Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Uh, in here, he plays Glenn. And I'll go ahead and leave it at that. But uh, as I had mentioned, uh, Lane Nishikawa, uh, he wrote this movie. I believe he got the idea from uh, three of his uncles who had served with the 442nd, uh, or at least with World War II, and just remembering hearing their stories. And I, I think a lot of this fictionalized story that he wrote uh, was definitely inspired by the stories he had heard growing up. So this movie stars Jimmy, and it's about 1953. Uh, he's suffering from PTSD, and uh, his wife Mary, played by Tamlin, she is really concerned uh, with his health. And throughout the movie, we get a series of flashbacks. Uh, basically, he's remembering the war and the events uh, kind of surrounding his life. And during the war, he did suffer a head injury, and he started having visions and he believes that uh, he is seeing memories of other men. So that's probably my only criticism. Well, I don't want to say only criticism, but 
the flashbacks, I understand that this is, you know, kind of like PTSD related. And that's kind of, I, I think we as the audience are supposed to see these flashbacks. And it's supposed to be a little jarring because of the head injury that he sustained. But I found it a little bit difficult to kind of follow because the movie kind of opens up and we're already in the war. And so nobody has really been introduced yet. You just have a bunch of uh, Nisei soldiers and you're trying to figure out who is who. Uh, for me, so uh, many of the faces I did recognize from you know the actors actors previous work uh one of which Michael Sun Lee who I had uh, uh interviewed a couple of years ago uh he was in uh in an episode of the first season of Fuller House and so I was watching this movie and I'm like oh shit you know <laughs> that's Michael so I had to text him real quick and said that I was watching only the brave and that I had you know seen him in the movie and I had no idea so uh so I thought that was kind of cool you know a little bit uh serendipitous there that that there's this connection that i have uh to this movie already but the fact that jimmy is seeing these flashbacks or we're getting these flashbacks of these soldiers i would have preferred you know this just my opinion i would have liked the movie to have start off you know the the war had just started and all these men are enlisting and you know saying goodbye to their families on this stuff and that way we get to kind of learn who they are and who their family is who their loved one is that way we grow with these these people you know we can skip all of the training and all that stuff and we could just cut to you know six months later or something like that and then we can drop in the middle of of the war that way when we see certain people we know who they are and we know what their background is um you know this movie is about the 442nd where they lost over 800 soldiers so there are people gonna die uh most of which do die in this movie uh, I, I don't want to say who lives or who dies so i'll just leave it at that uh, but the way the movie plays out before someone's death or maybe at the time of somebody's death we get these visions of what they were going through before they left for war so I thought that kind of took away a little bit from what was actually going on during the war. There is a, a grenade thrown over by Jimmy, which he shouts out grenade. A friend of his, without hesitation, jumps on the grenade, and then they both look at each other. And then we get the flashback of the guy who jumps on the grenade. We get a flashback of him and his girlfriend. You know, she wanted to get married and um it's a very sad moment that right there nearly made me cry uh, just because i understand that uh i have heard stories of you know people jumping on grenades and being awarded you know the medal of honor or some other prestigious medal after their death and you know just having served myself it, it kind of hit close to home I was never in actual combat, but I have served overseas. So I have heard these stories, you know, happen to people I've met, people I've known. So um, the, the depiction of war felt very real. But I felt just kind of going back and forth between the stuff at home before the war and during the war, I just felt that a little jarring. And I felt that if we had known these characters before they enlisted, their deaths would have meant a little bit more. But 
there are moments that I felt fun. You know, there's a point where there's a, a group of soldiers playing cards and they're just kind of, you know, ribbing on each other. And I, f- I found that really fun to kind of see that camaraderie,、um, them kind of learning one another. So I did enjoy that. Later on, there is an introduction to、uh, a character who I wish could have had a little bit more screen time,、um, but he is a, a replacement soldier who had just been there for two weeks. And I believe he was a, a former journalist, perhaps. I, I don't remember exactly, but he's just kind of like going around asking people questions and kind of just jotting down notes. That way, you know, he doesn't forget later. And the, the running joke is everyone he talks to, they. Kind of just make the comment, you, you talk too much, or you know, you love to talk, or something to that effect. And I found that funny, but the actor, I thought he was quite good, and I could have used a little bit more of him because he brought a little bit of levity in the middle of this horrific war, you know. And so I had some nice laughs with that particular character. Um, Jason Scott Lee, who I don't remember what I saw him in last. It actually might have been the sequel to Time Cop, but、uh, I thought he was pretty good in here too.、Uh, the other thing is that they also,、uh, at some point, speak like their native tongue.、Uh, the version I saw didn't have the subtitles, so at some point I didn't quite understand、uh, what they were saying, and I wasn't able to pick it up、uh, in the context of the conversation. But... A lot of these actors,、uh, I feel they probably know each other personally、uh, because I felt the, 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 the character dynamic was definitely there. But it's just kind of the way the movie was structured. I, I felt was just a little jarring for me. Now, I knew that Pat Morita was in this movie.、Uh, I was a little bummed to, to find out that it's more of a cameo, really, because he really shows up in Jimmy's visions. because... Uh, Jimmy had received a letter about his father's passing, and he got it about two months,、uh, or it took two months to get to him. So, at the time that we find out that his father had passed, it had been 49 days、uh, since you know, it, it had happened. So, Pat Morita plays you know,、uh, a small role as Jimmy's father in a vision, and it's kind of very Mr. Miyagi like, too. You know, I kind of teased it when I was talking to Tom earlier. Um, that perhaps Mr. Nishikawa、uh, was a fan. You know, I, I feel like he must have known that three of his actors were in、uh, Credit Kid Part 2. But there's a point where Pat Morita's character is talking to his son, Jimmy, and he's, you know, talking about fate and you must accept your fate here. And he points to his head and the rest of you will follow here. And then he points to his heart. So it kind of, you know, reminded me of the scene from Karate Kid 1. So, you know, a couple, you know, touches here that made me think of the Karate Kid universe. So I thought that was、uh, really cool. Tamlin、uh, Tamita, again, who played Jimmy's wife, I, I, I felt she was a little underused as well.、Um, I mean, but basically, a lot of the, the family unit back at home, we don't get a whole lot of them because we only really get them in these flashbacks. So I feel if the movie had opened up and we got to see the family unit at home. Learning you know, the family dynamic,、uh, I felt that we would have you know, known the characters a little bit better, known what it was like with the family. And if that particular character dies, I, I feel it would have hit us a little bit more, you know, a bit more,、uh, more of an emotional impact. But 
Tamina Tamina, she was in probably, I would say, not even 10 minutes of screen time. Uh, this movie clocks in just a little over, uh, almost an hour 40, uh, I, I believe. So it's actually relatively short for uh, a war movie. Um, I think maybe another 15 minutes and showing us like the family stuff at home in the beginning and then jumping into the war. I think maybe that would have been uh, a little bit more... You know, if it was just more linear, I, I think I would have enjoyed it a little bit more. But uh, I still really enjoyed um, this movie. I felt like this is a story that needed to be told, uh, and then some. And it was definitely long overdue. Uh, but I, I think it's uh, pretty awesome that after watching Cobra Kai and you know coming up with all these different bonus ideas uh, for episodes, um, I think uh, you know, I'm gonna use it use the word again, I thought this was a little serendipitous for me to find out like, oh damn, Pat Morita was in a war movie and then all these very recognizable actors as well, two of which come from Karate Kid Part 2. But yeah, to kind of wrap up with Tamlin, I thought she was uh, great with what she was given uh, as Jimmy's wife. Uh, she plays a very emotional character as most of the, the wives and girlfriends did in this in this movie. Uh, but also Chosen, uh, who again played by Yuji Okamoto, he was great in this movie. I found him to be very charming, completely opposite of what we knew him from, from Karate Kid Part 2. Uh, I didn't quite understand his flashback, but uh, there's a point where he's teaching uh, two women how to dance. So I, I, I kind of got the sense that he was like a bit of a ladies man, but um, it was just one of those things that there's a lot of, not necessarily back and forth, but there's so many, there's so many characters and there's so many flashbacks that kind of keep track of is kind of I guess the other thing I wasn't like jotting down notes but um, you know I was just kind of watching the movie and taking it in uh, I definitely want to watch it again and I hope you know that um, a movie like this could inspire another filmmaker to make another story about the 442nd because again I feel like this is story this is a story that uh, needs to be told or at least retold perhaps with a, a bigger budget, and per perhaps that, that would help. So, you know, pretty brief. Uh, again, I am kind of reviewing this uh, on my own, so hopefully I talked about it enough to let you decide if you want to, you know, if it's worth checking out. But uh, I was, again, I was a little bummed out for the little screen time that Pat Morita had. I didn't look in to see what the reasoning behind that was but again he was a flashback and his character had passed away so i'm not sure what else uh, he could have done and that's my review of only the brave so um yeah tom if you ever get a chance to uh check it out you know i wouldn't i wouldn't say like it's a priority it was really nice to see uh some of those uh actors come back and play not anything similar to their roles in Karate Kid, uh, except for <laughs> except for uh, Pat Morita, actually. You know, there's some touches, I feel, uh, from, from the Karate Kid uh, with his character. But um, a movie that I, I did enjoy, it definitely gave me some feels. And yeah, for, for those that are interested, it's a little hard to find. Uh, you can rent it in, on some sites for like two bucks. Uh, definitely uh, support the movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm definitely interested in it. I'm, I've always been fascinated with, uh, you know, war movies, stories of soldiers. Uh, so this is definitely up my alley. Yeah, great, great. So yeah, oh, hopefully, um, yeah, yeah, or if and when you check it out, I definitely want to hear your thoughts on it. 
so that is going to wrap it up for this episode. I want to thank everybody again for supporting our show. There are others popping up here and there, and you guys choose to listen to us or listen to us as well. Uh, but yes, if you guys uh, want to thank us, in any way, you can take a couple minutes and leave us a review, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever app you use. If they have an option to leave some sort of review or rating, please do so, and that will really help us. Uh, if you're checking out this episode and you never heard of us, um, go back and check out. We've done a lot of interviews. We've uh, interviewed also a, a fellow veteran, Martin no, Martin Cove, who played John Kreese, uh, who was also in the Army. So uh, check that out. Uh, Sean Kanan, we've interviewed him and many of the cast members from Cobra Kai, uh, all available here at Cobra Kai Companion. Yes. Uh, again, just thank you so much for listening to us. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Anytime I find out that anybody hears my voice outside of... Uh, the walls in which this is recorded it, it blows my mind yeah yeah same here you know we're getting a lot of love in the group so if you guys want to check out that group and see what is going on all the shenanigans uh you can search on facebook www period cobra kai period tv amb group and you spell out the words period if you want to find us on Twitter, uh, you can search at Cobra Kai Pod, and we are on Instagram at Cobra Kai Podcast. If you want to check out anything else we've done, uh, I've done, I do, I host Podstalgic, which is a movie review podcast. Uh, Tom joined me a few weeks ago for the new release of Halloween. Uh, I have since then reviewed Bohemian Rhapsody, but Tom also joined me about a year and a half ago and reviewed all four Karate Kid movies. Mm. So on Twitter and Instagram at Podstalgic. What about you, Tom? Uh, well, I'm still on a hiatus, but I do plan on. Uh brushing the dust off of my podcast uh, it's called jake and tom conquer the world it's just a pop culture and discussion show uh, mainly centering around uh the, you know two subjects near and dear to my heart uh superheroes and alcohol very nice very nice uh two things that i'm sure many people enjoy <laughs> <laughs> so uh that's gonna do it again want to thank all of the veterans and all of the friends and family of veterans you know that um you know without your support again uh it it'd be well it's just it's very difficult without that support uh, there's nothing worse than walking around you know in your uniform and people turning their heads the other way so thank you guys and we will see you guys next time see ya Thank you for listening to the Court and Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Court and Parts shows, visit courtemparts.com.